And it is Jesus that makes today truly glorious. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. We are so glad to have you with us this morning. Have you ever wondered if the personal struggle described in Romans chapter 7 verses 15 through 24 was before or after Paul's conversion? Today, Pastor Rob presents five reasons to understanding that struggle for Paul was after he was saved. By the way, Paul's struggle is our struggle too. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. And when we try to live our Christian lives in the power of our own flesh and not controlled by the Holy Spirit, then people around us find no profit in being around us. And so, through no fault of God's law, the me-can-do, self-reliant Christian life satisfies no one. Not the Christian him or herself, not the persons who are all around that Christian, and not the Lord. It's lose, lose, lose. When we try to live the Christian life as self-reliant, flesh-dominated Christians. Now this morning, we're going to see four characteristics of living a me-can-do self-reliant Christian life, we're going to see four characteristics of the Christian who makes the foolish choice to re-engage with the Old Testament law as a principle, as an avenue to be, be growing as a Christian. We're going to see four things in our verses this morning that are bound to happen if we re-engage ourselves with the Old Testament law and try to get close to God that way. First, let me overview the four things we're going to see in these verses. Number one, fleshly living. Fleshly living. Number two, helpless living. Number three, unable to live right living. Unable to live right living. And fourth, frustrated living. Maybe you come here this morning and you've known Jesus Christ for 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. Maybe you've known Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior a long time, but it could be possible that those years of being with Christ, you've been living fleshly. You've been living helplessly. You've been living totally unable to live right in the sight of God. Maybe you've been living your lives as a Christian, frustrated living. This message, this truth is for you. So let's look at the four Things that are characteristic of a Christian living, do-it-yourself sanctification. In the first place, the self-reliant Christian only knows fleshly living. Only knows fleshly living. I see that in Romans 7, 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold into bondage to sin. You are only capable of fleshly living, Christian, if you do it in your own resources. It says in the verse, sold into bondage to sin. There is a word picture, sold into bondage to sin. Remember, sin singular is the cause of sins plural. Sin singular is the law of sin and death. But sin singular is the downward pull into sins that the law of sin and death pulls on us, all of us. 
And this kind of me-can-do, self-reliant, Holy Spirit-ignoring Christian living is going to be totally prone to sinning at the law of sin and death's bidding. Now, let me unpack what it is to have flesh. What is flesh? Well, it's far more than just the basic literal meaning of having flesh on your bones. Flesh is a theological term. Flesh appears in 14b. See it? But I am of flesh sold into bondage to sin. What is flesh? Flesh is the opposite of the Holy Spirit. Flesh is the combination of your body and your soul uncontrolled by the Holy Spirit. Flesh is the combination of your base appetites, your thoughts, your feelings, and your choices when they are all running the show instead of the Holy Spirit. Flesh is the enemy within you until you see Jesus through physical death or rapture. Flesh is permanently the slave of sin, singular. Flesh permanently is the slave to the law of sin and death. Continuing, flesh is set to sin's wavelength. Flesh in you, flesh in me, is permanently set on its dial to be on the same wavelength as sin, singular. Flesh is consistently, sneakily bent on leading you into its deeds. The deeds of the flesh are listed in Galatians 5, 19 and 21. And this is the agenda that flesh has, your flesh has for you. This is the agenda that my flesh has for me. Listen, Galatians 5, 19 to 21, the deeds of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. These are the deeds of the flesh. Flesh says to the law of sin and death when it barks, jump. Flesh says, yes, how high? Flesh will never assist you to live a spiritual life. Flesh will not stop being an issue for you this side of heaven. Flesh cannot be reformed. It can only be held in check by the precious power of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, given all these truths about flesh, we must face the fact, brothers and sisters, that all this is entirely uncomfortable. It's awkward and hard to swallow. It's an unpleasant situation. And because it is, some interpreters of Romans chapter 7 have insisted that Romans 7, 15 to 24, must reference the Apostle Paul's pre-conversion state. These people say, that is so ugly, that is so uncomfortable, that is so awkward, that is so unpleasant, that surely Paul wrote that about himself before he was saved. Couldn't disagree more. Could not disagree more. Because verses 15 to 24 are actually, unequivocally, Paul's experience after conversion. Because it's my experience after my conversion. And it's your experiences after your conversions. And so without doubt in my mind, verses 15 to 24 depict Paul's struggle with indwelling sin, and 15 to 24 depict our struggles with the same indwelling sin, 
upon which the law of sin and death operates in each of us daily. How do I know? Let me give you some more specific examples that I am sure that Romans 7, 15 to 24 were not before Paul was saved, but after he was saved. I have five reasons. The first reason, verses 15 to 24, are part of chapter 7, which is a sanctification chapter. Chapters 5 and 6 of Romans are a justification chapters. And chapter 8 of Romans is a glorification chapter. So the flow of thought here is logical. Justification, chapters 5 and 6. Sanctification, chapter 7. And glorification, chapter 8. And so it's totally out of logical order if you look at it this way. Justified, unredeemed, glorified. It doesn't fit. Second reason I know that this was Paul after conversion and not before is that uh, verse 22 suggests that Paul's inner man is renewed. It says, it joyfully concurred with the law of God. Only an already made alive inner man would take joy in the Lord. Otherwise, before conversion, people are spiritually dead, unresponsive to God. The third reason I know that this is Paul's experience after being saved and not before is when you listen to Philippians 3.6, which reads, as he's talking about his religious resume as a Pharisee before Christ, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is found in the law, found blameless. Before Paul was saved, his name was Saul, and he thought he was religiously, spiritually blameless. He, He didn't acknowledge any of this fight before he was saved. Philippians 3.6, 3.6, yes, makes it clear that pre-conversion, Paul viewed himself as being blameless. But here, Paul views himself as being helpless. There's a big difference. Before he knew Christ as Savior, he thought he was blameless. After he came to know Christ as Savior, he said, I'm helpless to live a Jesus life without the Holy Spirit. Blameless in no way, shape, or form equals helpless. Fourth reason I know this was Paul before he was saved. Verses 15 to 24 use the present tense. Paul is describing his here and now struggle. It's not back then before that he's talking about. It's present tense. Fifth and last, Paul's Romans 7 report being after conversion because Romans 8, 21 to 23 teach that we ourselves, the complete package, we ourselves, body, soul, and spirit still await complete redemption. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to continue talking about discipleship. And last time we just talked about how we consider a disciple. A disciple looks like the person they're following. And when we consider discipleship, this is a big word that we use in the church and and around the Christian um, talk. But the reality is, is that all of us are called to be a disciple. All of us are called to be in the process of discipleship. We call ourselves born-again believers. You see, discipleship is the expected standard for all believers. It's not an option. It's a command. And last time we looked at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 24, but we want to talk about verse 25 today. But I want to start off at verse 23 so we get the context. And Jesus is saying, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses life because of me will save it. Verse 25, For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world 
and yet loses or forfeits himself. You see, we need to recognize what this verse is saying. Because a lot of us, we are so caught up in this world and the culture that we have allowed the world to dictate everything about us. We'd rather be accepted by the world more than we be accepted by Christ. We'd rather gain everything, be a, have all the things in life that we think brings us happiness, but at the end of the day, we have nothing because we don't have Jesus Christ. You see, there are many people who think that money can buy happiness. And you know what? Money can probably buy happiness for a little while. But the reality is, is that once that money is gone, what's going to happen? You see, money is only there for a while. Just like someone who invested a whole bunch of money into a brand new car that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. You see, you can buy a car, but the reality is you have to take care of it. The reality is if you hit a, a pothole in our streets, the car is damaged. You see, we want to invest in things that are eternal. And the only thing eternal is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Some words say, what does it profit someone if he gains the whole world? You know, as, as you think of a young people, and, and I know growing up, as I think of the gangster rap era where you saw so many gangster rappers having all the gold chains and having the gold tooth and having all these fancy cars and all of these different things that, you know what, they look like they were very happy. But what you see now is a lot of these same rappers are either bankrupt, dead, and they have nothing to show for it because, you know why, they invested in things that were not eternal. You see, for me, I remember growing up listening and seeing the, the Tupac and the Notorious B.I.G. And, and seeing just that whole, you know, gangster rap and seeing how these guys were at war with each other. But yet people were just buying their albums and having all these things. And they had all the cars, the women and everything that you could dream of. But yet we know that they lost their lives. You see, we need to be very careful because... What we invest our, our lives in and what we invest our money and time in is what we see is the most important thing to us. And that's what this verse is saying. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his whole soul? You see, we need to understand that if we pursue everything in this world and we pursue all these worldly things and we don't pursue Christ, then we're just wasting our lives every single day. You see, I think too many times in life we think that once we have the brand new phone, the brand new computer, the brand new whatever it is, we're happy. But I want to ask you a question because I want us to consider on a Christmas morning as a kid. You wake up, you have this nice gift, and you know, you've been waiting the whole year for this particular gift. You open up this gift and you get this great satisfaction and he's like, oh, what a great gift. And you're like, you're ready to use it. Um, and you have, you know, you have batteries for this thing or whatever it may be. But then you realize exactly that, you know what, this is only going to be a temporary thing. Because you know what happens is as soon as you get the new iPhone or new Samsung Galaxy, the next one is out. And you, that old, that, the old one becomes, I want something newer. You see, we can invest in all these different things and think that we have it all together, but the reality is is that these things will fade away. You know, when you consider an Xbox, you consider Nintendo, all of these come in new systems almost every other year. But the reality is is that we're not satisfied because we always want what's new. 
But when it comes to Jesus Christ and we come to a relationship with him, this is eternal. You see, God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's always there for us. And we need to recognize this as we consider what is most important to us. As we consider this verse again, for what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses or forfeits himself? I want to challenge you this morning. What are you pursuing? Are you pursuing the things of the world or are you pursuing Jesus Christ? Because the reality is if you're pursuing the things of the world, you have to understand that there's going to come a time when those things are not going to bring you satisfaction because they're going to rust. They're going to fade away. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, this relationship that we have with him, this is eternal. He's there for us all the time. We can call on him all the time. And I just want to challenge you to really consider what is the most important thing to you. Because if it is Jesus Christ, you will invest all that you can into him. Again, this is Pastor Nicholas, and I want to thank you for listening to you talk. It's time now for today's personal God story. Well, good morning, listeners. We are in the radio studio with DeWitt and Sally Simonette. How are you folks doing today? Oh, fine. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. We're telling an amazing story that you need to go to www.calvarybible.org.ds under media and find the previous broadcast because you won't want to miss them. But we're getting sort of near the end of your story. God has miraculously let you come together in marriage in your 80s. I'll just put it that way. And um, one of the happiest weddings I've ever officiated. Uh, Weddings are always happy, but boy, the the joy, rejoicing that was in surrounding your um, coming full circle to marry again in Christ and be different people, forgiving people, uh, respectful people is just such an encouragement. So you now are embarking on, on a road of married life together. And what's it been like? Great. Well, as an outsider looking in, it looks great to me. Good. Just, uh, what do you think, Sally? How's it going? It's great. It's great. Like I tell them, if, if I say something and you don't like it, just give me a kiss and I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. Oh, I think, I think that's how you do it. I you think that uh, yeah. any... Uh, we're happy together. That's wonderful. Any husband, any Christian husband or Christian wife yes. would do well to have you guys as their friends. Yes. And uh, you've got a lot to tell them about yes. life experience yes. and God's answer to prayer. And how God can change people and does change people. Um, Let's give our attention to um, some of the ways that I think what God has done for you can help others. Because there are people listening to our broadcast today and every Sunday who um, need to understand uh, the power of God. They have maybe not never known it or have forgotten it. What would you say to that kind of a listener who's not really um, facing and and uh, appreciating the power of God? What would you say about God's power? God's power is awesome. The problem most of the time is is that. Um, we only look to God most of the time when we're in trouble. Mm. And um, 
one of them is going to be a little difficult because mm-hmm. uh, uh, we are there to please him. Yes. And, and not not uh, not he to please us. Yes. So um, I find it if you are humble and you are submissive and you are obedient, like he says, um, like except you become converted and become as a little child and see yourself as a as a infant mm-hmm. in his presence. Um, we take over from there, and we only make him to be as big and as large and as awesome as what we seem to be. Well, there's a lot of good truth there to it. You said that we are wrong if we only consider God's power when we're in trouble. You said that um, ours is to please Him and not to please, He's not to please us. You said that we should become as little children. Right. To understand how big God is. Yes. And uh, unless we humble ourselves to think like a little child, and he's our Heavenly Father, we won't really appreciate his power as we should. Right. Good. Sally, let me change from God's power to what would you say to a listener who um, needs to know more about the Bible? What, what, What does the Bible do in a believer's life? Well, I would I would tell anyone we have to read the Bible and we have to get God's word, get get you know, read the word, apply it to your heart, and live and live the life. Read it, apply, apply it, it and, and yes, yeah, to your into your life. And because if you don't, to the end of the day, you will want to do your own thing. But if you really know the word and and you and you continue reading of the word and apply it to your heart. That's where life comes in much easier. That's that's it's only, it's only Jesus. That's only Jesus, and He's found in the Word of God. Yes, He speaks to us through the Word of yes. God, the Bible. The Bible. Yeah, I heard a pastor had a parishioner come and say that she was going to leave the church, yes. and he said, "Why?" And she said, "Because I see people on their cell phones during church. Oh and yeah, other uh, people are uh, not living in life they should." Uh, so the preacher said to her, "Would you do something for me?" Uh-huh. And she said, "Okay." Before you leave the church, would you do something for me? Okay. He gave her a glass of water, and he asked her to walk around the whole church building, not spill one drop of the water. She came back, and uh, he said to her, Well, uh, did you see anybody on their cell phones while you were walking with the water? No, no. Did you see anybody living a life they shouldn't live while you were walking around with the water? No, no, no. He said, Why didn't you see those people? Because I was paying closest attention to not spilling the water. He said, when you come to church, uh, don't you be paying mind of everybody around you. But your, your focus has to be on, yes. God, on God and his word That's every it. time you come That's to church. It. And you're saying our focus should be on God's word. Also, when we're not in church all the time. All the okay. time. 24-7. 24-7. Although I cannot see now to read, but I, I, I quote scriptures. Because you've hidden God's word yes, in your heart with memorization. Yeah. Yes. Wow, we could we could go on so much uh, more, but it, it's been such a pleasure for all of these episodes to let you tell your God story, and uh, it's an incredible story, unique. I don't think I'll ever hear a story like this again until I go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, thank you for being uh, my sister and my brother. 
in Christ. Uh, you're an inspiration to me and an inspiration to everybody who knows both of you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome, Pastor. Oh, wonderful. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we are trophies of your grace. Uh, all that we have that is good in us is from you. Uh, you have called us to Christ, given us faith to believe in him, and then you've made us new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Thank you for Duet and Sally as being living examples of your power to change lives. Bless them in every way, Lord. Bless their marriage. Bless their families. Bless their time in your word. Uh, bless their prayer lives. Bless them uh, financially and every way with health and strength. Lord, please bless them so that they in turn can continue to be a blessing as they are to so many. Amen. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.